Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Ty's Tech Line. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. On today's episode, we are talking about weddings, which is funny because we don't really talk about weddings that often in the podcast, uh, at least not directly, but we used to talk about it a lot on the YouTube channel. We're kind of transitioning away from just talking about weddings on the YouTube channel and talking about more just like general uh, creativity and content creation and tech and stuff like that. So I thought this would be a good time to talk about some wedding stuff on the podcast. So we're going to talk about today is our first two weddings of 2020, which we just shot, which is crazy. And then at the end, I'm going to give a little bit of an update on the C200 now that we've shot these two weddings with the C200 and just give some general thoughts on the camera now that I've owned it for a little a little while and give some additional thoughts on the R5 and the R6 with everything that's come out, having shot with the camera more, give some more thoughts on that. I'm gonna save all the C200 camera talk for the end uh, in case you don't care about the C200, you have no interest in ever purchasing one or you just don't really wanna hear about that stuff. But if you wanna hear about our weddings, um, just kind of an update on the Harrington's and weddings and where we're at and how they went and all that sort of stuff, put that all at the front and then the gear talk, we'll save that all for the end. So if you're really dedicated, you can stick around for the very end. But yeah, we shot our first two weddings of 2020 and they came in July. Now that is crazy for us. Last year, Sienna was born on April 30th, and by the time she was 10 weeks old, we had already shot seven weddings or something crazy like that. The first wedding that we shot, Ash was like three and a half, four weeks postpartum. So compared to last year, that was crazy. And even that, shooting shooting our first wedding in May last year was really rare. We normally start shooting at the end of March or you know early April at the latest. So the fact that we haven't shot a wedding in so long, the last wedding that we shot was in October of 2019. So it was like eight months or something, which is the longest I've gone without shooting a wedding since I started shooting weddings all the way back in 2010. So it was kind of a crazy long break for us, but ultimately I think it was actually really good. And we'll kind of get into a little bit about that. So yeah, obviously, so Sienna, is much older now. She's eight months older than the last time we had a wedding. So leaving her at home was a very different experience than it used to be in the past. Like, when, you know, again, when we shot all these weddings when she was a little, little baby, it was a little bit different because she kind of slept all day. And yes, it was a little bit stressful because we had to do with like Ash pumping and leaving, you know, make sure we had enough milk to leave for whoever was watching her and all those different things. And then making sure that she was on the right sleep schedule and all that sort of stuff. So there was like some logistical stuff, but for whatever reason, the fact that she's older now, you know, she is, what, I'm really bad at counting, close to like 15, 16 months, somewhere in there. Um, it's just really different. Uh, and so it, who ended up watching her was Ashley's dad. He watched her Sienna by himself two weekends in a row because Ashley's mom um, work travels for work. So she isn't currently living in Virginia and my parents were on vacation and it just made sense for her dad to watch him. Um, so that was fun. She got to hang out with her big all weekend. But yeah, it was, it's just different because she's aware that we're gone. Now, Sienna does not really care if we're there or if we're not there. She wasn't really sad when we left, but bedtime and things like that are a little bit trickier because she's aware that we're not there. And uh, apparently on the, the second weekend when he watched her, he was showing her some pictures on his phone of us and she started crying which is you know really sad but also kind of sweet at the same time so um that was interesting it was hard i think harder for ash almost to leave her when she's older um than when she was a, a baby but it was good it was good for us to be back good to be back in shooting weddings and like i said i think actually taking a break from shooting weddings was really good for us because it made us love weddings even more 
Um, we've always loved weddings. We've been doing it for a really long time. I think this is like our eighth wedding season together or something like that. So we've been doing weddings since forever. But there was a, definitely a point in there where we were doing so many different weddings. We got a little bit burned out on doing so many in one year. So having a break and not shooting one for a really long time does help you kind of like appreciate and, you know, really miss having weddings. And I honestly think it's going to be better for us to be shooting less weddings these days because each individual wedding we're actually able to be excited for and pour all of our like time and effort energy into in a way that we just couldn't before and obviously we we gave our all to all those weddings you know over all the years it's just different when you only have a, a handful so we're actually only going to end up shooting three weddings this entire year um, partially due to covid and just partially because our business is moving in a different direction um, i do have a podcast episode kind of talking about our, our new direction of our business and what we're doing and um, there's some some updates that are, have happened since that podcast episode but basically we're doing a lot more more, you know, monthly retainer work, doing content creation, um, you know, commercial work, things like that. And we're just doing less weddings, which is actually really good for us because it allows us to take only the weddings that we really want to take and make sure that all the weddings that we do are ones that we love and we're super excited about and super passionate about. And it makes us super excited for every single wedding. So I will say I was a little bit nervous going into this first wedding because again, we hadn't shot a wedding in eight months. Um, you know, I did, all my gear was kind of scattered all over. Normally during wedding season, especially all the gear is kind of in the same place. You kind of know where everything is. You just, you know, charge the back batteries, put it all back in the bag and go. I kind of had to like scour the whole house and reorganize like my, my gear closet and make sure we had all this stuff. So I really spent probably like two or three days, not the entire day, but you know, really thinking about all the different gear and preparing and mentally kind of just getting ready to shoot a wedding again since we hadn't we hadn't done one in such a long time. Um, and, you know, happy to report that both of the weddings went swimmingly. They were both great days. The first wedding was on July 4th, which was uh, our first time ever shooting a wedding on the 4th of July. Uh, that one had been postponed one week due to COVID um, just because they were afraid that the first date that they had technically fell within our original shutdown uh, timeline for limiting the number of people at an event. So by pushing it back a week, they're outside of the limit. So they're able to have, I think, 50 people, whereas before it would have been like less than 20 or something like that. So yeah, so we, I guess we can talk about that. So shooting a wedding during COVID was definitely interesting. Um, both Ash and I wore our masks pretty much all day. We were a little bit lax with it when we were outside just because um, both of these wedding days, it was you know in the 90s here in Virginia with tons of humidity. So it was really, really hot. So when we were outside, if we weren't around anybody or we were you know, able to stay six feet apart from the bridal party or whoever we were near, um, we would take our masks off. Whenever we would you know, take a break from whatever, we would always obviously take them off, but we pretty much wore them the entire day and it wasn't terrible. I've heard different people talking online about how you know it can really tire you out and whatever. And you know, I, I felt pretty good the whole day. Again, I hadn't shot a wedding in a while, so I don't have my, uh, my wedding legs underneath of me, but I didn't really feel like I had much of a problem um, with the mask on, even during the reception, you know, in a barn, when and when I film dancing, guys, let me tell you, Ash can tell you, I'm I'm essentially dancing with a camera, right? I just I love that part of the day. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. So I'm out there, I'm getting it, I'm in the middle of the action, and uh, I had my mask on the whole time, and I felt I felt fine. I never really felt winded or like I needed oxygen or anything like that. Um, so it was fine. The first wedding, almost none of the guests wore masks. It, again, it's kind of like a weird point. Like they don't technically have to, but I feel like they do technically have to. I don't really know. Again, we wore them just 
for kind of professionalism. And I, again, with that many people in that small of a space, I don't think it really was going to make much of a huge difference. Um, but, you know, again, for more of like optics or anything like that, we wore them just to say we did and just to be, you know, on the safe side. The second wedding, definitely more people wore them um, inside. Not a ton of people wore them outside. Definitely more during the second wedding. So it kind of just is what it is. It is hard because it's, you know, I don't feel super comfortable with that. It's, I guess, kind of like an occupational hazard, you know, obviously, depending on where you are in the country and things like that, it's, you know, people's opinions and somehow this whole COVID thing has become political. So I'm not going to even touch that with the 10 foot pole. But, you know, it is what it is. We just kind of did what we could do. All we can do is control what we did and which is wear a mask as much as we could. And that's that. So it ended up being fine. Definitely smaller weddings than they would have been, um, you know, which is you know, sad for our couples, especially the couples that have had to reschedule or, you know, push their wedding dates to next year and stuff like that. It is hard, but, you know, we just make make the most of it. One thing that I definitely think that all taking a break from the weddings has helped me with, and just in general, as the more that we've gone and shot weddings, um, I feel like I used to be really anxious when it came to wedding days. I was just always so anxious and so nervous that we were gonna miss something. And um, that I had to capture every single thing and if I missed something or we weren't there or you know, whatever, uh, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I kind of was shooting and living in fear. Um, and what I've found over the years and especially from having this really long break is that A, there's really nothing to be worried about. There's obviously a few moments throughout the day that are really important and you don't want to miss those. But, you know, we're more than prepared for those types of moments. So the odds of missing something like that for us are really slim. You know, I just kind of found a really good headspace of knowing, okay, what is the end product here, right? We're not being paid to document every single moment of this day. We're being paid to produce a wedding film. And we have a very specific style to our wedding films. And at this point, I pretty much know if something is like in a moment or whatever is going to go in the film or it's not going to go in the film. And that's not to say that I'm not, I don't care about specific moments. Um, but I feel like for a long time we were, I was concentrating so much on the things that didn't really matter. And we were just like following the bride and groom around all day, constantly kind of wherever they were, not really thinking about the other aspects of the day and then maybe shooting a little bit of like extra shots here or there or whatever but what i've found is that um in order to make a really great film and for us to make the best films possible the best thing for me to be able to do is to shoot with confidence which allows me to shoot with creativity but if i'm shooting out of fear i can't really be confident and i can't really be creative so sometimes there's specific shots that you have to get that you're going to have to make a little bit of a sacrifice for um at this past you know one of these weddings i walked all the way like down the hill around the corner because when we were driving in i saw this really cool epic like overlook over this like big field with this little pond and all this sort of stuff so i went down there to grab some gimbal shots during cocktail hour now technically i may have missed like a really cool cocktail hour moment i'm using like air quotes over here because i could stand at cocktail hour and shoot cocktail hour for 30 minutes and i could get a ton of amazing shots but at the end of the day in the film there's only gonna be maybe one quick little sequence of cocktail hour if they like really had some cool cocktail hour details or something or whatever but for the most part, you know, as long as I grabbed a good little sequence of shots, that's all I really need to get. And it'd be a better use of my time to go get some really cool shots of this house or get some really cool, you know, gimbal shots or push push through shots or whatever, establishing shots, all these different things that actually make 
the film feel much more cohesive and complete and creative as opposed to standing in cocktail hour for the entire time just so I don't miss anything that happens or the perfect laugh or the perfect moment or whatever. Anyway, I just felt like at this wedding, I felt very much at peace with just sort of like what we were shooting, how we we're doing it, and just this confidence of like, we know what we're doing, we're really good at this, you know, we've been doing this for years, we're the experts, and we're gonna make a really awesome film. And there's really no doubt in my mind that we're gonna make a really amazing film. So that felt good. And also like Ash and I over the years, you know, we've definitely learned a little bit of like synergy. And I've had I've had to work really hard within myself to trust Ash's shots and to trust her to get the angles and those different things because more of like my personality like i'm being a one on the enneagram and sometimes it's really hard for me especially when i can't envision it to be like shooting something with my camera knowing that i'm like fully relying on ash to shoot something with her camera because that's out of my control and as a one that's hard for me not to have control over certain things um but again to make a better film it's better for me to be shooting with a tight lens with like an 85 and shooting like a really intimate you know, detail shot of like a really tight shot of her earrings or her putting her dress on or the hands or whatever, then I can't get that really amazing shot and shoot wide at the same time. So I have to trust that, okay, Ash is going to be shooting a wider shot. And in order for me to be able to get that really amazing tight shot or, you know, whatever it is, whatever like that creative shot is, maybe I'm shooting through the curtains. I'm waiting for like the perfect moment. I can't get that cool creative shot if I'm not real, you know, trusting Ash to get the other shot or just knowing like that one creative shot over there is worth the, um, you know, five or six mediocre shots I could get from playing it safe. So anyway, that was just like a mental thing that I noticed at both of these weddings. And normally during a wedding season, it takes me probably like a couple weddings to really get warmed up. I feel like like just creatively and mentally and all that sort of stuff. I felt like I kind of found my groove um, much sooner with these weddings, which was good. And um, I, which is funny because we've shot two weddings, we have one more and then we're done. So by the time we kind of find our groove, uh, we're going to be done with weddings for the year. But, you know, and one last thing here, I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I think that this is good stuff. I think that somebody out there, this will be helpful for you. One thing that is also super helpful with allowing yourself to be a creative and all that sort of stuff is preparing uh, mentally ahead of time, but also like with all of your gear and your stuff and whatever, and like little tiny changes can make a huge, huge difference. So for example, like, you know, over the years, I've just learned the things I need to put into my bag and have with me at all times. I've learned that when I have, you know, the microphone to put on the groom, I need to put the sticky back on the microphone the night before and have it all wrapped up perfectly. So when I'm micing up the groom, instead of me having to like fumble around to like pull the mic out and try and find the sticky thing and put it on there and find the, you know, find my fuzzy wind cover and do all those things. All I have to do is whip it out, pull the back off, stick it to him and I can go. And like, it seems like a minor thing and it's only probably like a 30 to 45 second difference, but all those little teeny tiny things add up throughout the day. And they just make you feel so much more confident that no matter what you have to do or whenever what situations in front of you, you know that like you're ready. I always have an extra battery for the EOS R in my pocket. I just put it in the beginning of the day and I just keep it there at all times because that's the one battery that may die throughout the day because it's the smallest battery that we have, um, you know, and I just I just know that. And, you know, the more that you can be like thinking through those little areas, or if you're thinking about your own weddings that you're shooting, okay, what are some little tiny little, you know, stress points throughout the day, or little tiny things that are like time sucks throughout the day? And is there anything I can do to alleviate those? Um, and I felt like I came in both these weddings, like just like really crystal clear on, you know, the 
the plan for the day, the vision for the day, what I needed, make sure all the stuff was set right, all your settings are correct, all your memory cards are formatted, just like all these little teeny tiny things that if like you can just do them all ahead of time, you're gonna be good to go. Okay, so that's sort of just like where we were at in terms of mentally on the wedding day. And uh, real quick for anybody out there who cares, let's go through uh, sort of like an updated gear like situation. Cause I feel like people, I don't know, I love to hear this with other people, how they shoot gear, how they shoot, what gear they use, what the primary uses are, kind of how they function on a wedding day. And I've never really talked about it on the podcast before. So let's just, we're going to go through it a little bit service level. We'll see. We'll see how we feel here. All right. So in terms of cameras, we basically shoot with four cameras plus the, plus the drone. So really, I guess technically that's five cameras. The way that we think about these cameras is each camera has like a very specific purpose. And now that we've added the C200 into the lineup, we essentially just like bumped everything down in the like priority list essentially. So it's still very familiar to us. It's just like different cameras kind of in different spots. So, okay. So the C200 is my camera that I carry. And the way that we work on a wedding day is I carry a camera on a monopod uh, I also carry three lenses. I carry the 18 to 35 f1.8. I carry the 50 millimeter 1.2 and the 85 millimeter 1.2. That's what I'm, you know, always have with me at all times during the day. Ash um, shoots now. She shoots with my what I was used to be shooting with. Now Ash is shooting with the C100 Mark II, and she has two lenses that she carries with her at all times throughout the day, and that is the 85 1.8 and the 35 1.4. We've kind of gone through some different iterations of what Ash carries throughout the day. Um, she used to have a 24 to 70, but then we needed that for the gimbal. Um, so I actually kind of like now that she has the 35 and the 85 because it makes. Uh, what she's shooting kind of simplifies things a little bit because basically when I look at her, I can say, okay, I need you to shoot wide or I need you to shoot tight. Like those are kind of her options. She's just a 35, which on the C100, which is a crop sensor body, it's really closer to a 50. So she's essentially shooting with like a 50 and a hundred, if you kind of want to think about it in full frame terms. So for me, I'm just like, ask shoot wider, ask shoot tighter. And then that way I know, you know, I can picture in my mind exactly what focal length that she's shooting with. And I know exactly what kind of shot she's getting from where she's standing because I can kind of visualize it in my mind. And then I can choose my lens accordingly without having to see what she's doing. In the past, when she had the 24 to 70 and she's shooting with that, that worked out well. The problem was that it was really hard for us to match our cameras because the 24 to 70 only goes down to 2.8. So a lot of times like I would be at, you know, 2.0 and I would have no ND, or I'd have two, you know, one stop of ND on, but she would be at 2.8. So then I'm like trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to do the math and it's, you know, on a wedding day, everything's happening really fast. So I'm like, oh, okay, you need to like take your ND off and go up to 3.2 and whatever. We're just trying to like match exposure. And it just makes it a lot harder. So when she's shooting at the primes, uh, I can say, okay, we can match exactly. Okay, I get my, you know, exposure set the way that I want it. And then I just tell her the exact numbers and she can match me exactly. Um, so that's helpful. And I just, I, I think, again, she'd be shooting with, shooting with the 24 to 70 and I'd look over there and I'd have no idea if she's shooting at 24, if she's at 50, if she's at 70, if she's shooting tight, if she's shooting wide, no idea what she's shooting. So then a lot of times, sometimes, you know, I'd find ourselves, we're both shooting the same focal length or I'm expecting, I'm thinking she's over there shooting a tight shot and then I get the footage back and she was at 24 or whatever it is. It's actually just worked out a lot better for us to use the other, the other lenses. And it was kind of, it was, 
a happy accident because we needed the 24 to 70 to go on the EOS R. Uh, the EOS R on wedding days for us, it lives on the gimbal. It never comes off. It never does anything else. It sits on the gimbal, which is uh, the Zion Crane 2 with the EOS R, the 24 to 70, and a little Rode Video Micro. And that is you know, it doesn't change throughout the day. In the past, we've had setups where we've been taking cameras on and off gimbals throughout the day and stuff like that. And it just gets really, really complicated. So it's so much easier to just have one dedicated gimbal camera that you just set down when you don't need it. You pick it up when you're ready to shoot. It's always balanced. It's always ready to go. It looks great. So um, that's kind of like, that's our gimbal camera. Our third camera, which is a C100 Mark One, really only gets used during eh, two, technically three areas throughout the day. It's, uh, it's almost always a wide shot. Um, so it's the wide shot during the first look. Um, we have a kind of like a three camera setup for the first look. So we always have the wide shot in this case the c100 mark one is the wide sort of like establishing walk-up shot is what i call it so it's like got the groom in like the bottom right hand corner of the frame the bride walks across the frame to do the first look that's kind of always how we've shot first looks and then i shoot with an 85 for you know one side ash shoots with an 85 from the other side and we shoot him that's how we shoot first looks. That's just how we've always done it. Uh, we also use the C100 Mark One as the wide shot in the back of the ceremony. And we also use it as the wide shot for dances. So we deliver full dances as part of our packages. So the system that we've worked out for that is the C100 Mark One shoots super wide with the 18 to 35 you know, head to toe, covering the entire dance floor pretty much. And then Ash will stand right behind it. We have the, the tripod for the C100 Mark One really low. Ash stands right behind it with the 85 on her C100 Mark II. And she's shooting the, the entirety of the dance from start to finish, just like that nice tight shot with the 85, following them wherever they go. And then I am moving around, usually now with the EOS R, shooting creative shots, moving shots, the nice thing with the gimbal is I can shoot static shots, I can shoot wide shots, I can shoot moving shots, I can kind of shoot whatever I need. I'm floating around getting all the creative stuff. She's shooting purely for coverage and we can sometimes work in her tight shot into the creative edit, but it's really just making sure we have that perfect coverage for the full ceremony or for the full for the full dances. Um, and then the C100 Mark One also is used as our reaction cam for speeches. So we will put a 100 millimeter macro or an 85 or whatever we need to on there and we shoot that point that right at the bride and groom when they're reacting to speeches and that uh, just sits there and being able to now have three cinema cameras so that used to be that wide camera what I just described used to be a 5d mark 3 for us which was fine it just wasn't nearly as sharp as the c100s and it has the 30 minute recording limit and it doesn't have nds and it just has like a you know a lot of little things that kind of limit it so it was really really nice to have three cinema cameras that we could set up for something like the ceremony turn that C100 on in the back and just let it run forever never have to worry about it, never have to think about it, be able to use the NDs so we can have, you know, similar looking exposures across all the different cameras, all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, so between my C200 and Ashley's C200, I use those, we use those pretty much for like the entirety of the day. I just kind of go back and forth between the C200 and the USR, depending on the scenario and the situation. I, um, that's kind of like a personal preference for me as to what I'm going to use for what, sort of what I'm feeling that day, what the photographer is like, what the venue is like, all those different things. But, um, you know, I, I use the EOS R a lot during portraits of the bride and groom, like all the beauty stuff. I'm almost like exclusively in the EOS R again, because I can shoot wide, I can shoot moving shots, I can shoot tight static shots. I can kind of get a little bit of everything. So whenever I'm on the uh, gimbal for that, Ash is on 
the C100 Mark II. Sometimes in this case, she was on the C200. We're still kind of figuring that out, but she's always shooting off to the side with an 85. So she's always shooting super, super tight, just trying to pick off like anything from the side, really tight shots and like really, you know, beauty, beauty shots with like tons of bokeh, all that sort of stuff. She's just looking for those, anything that she can get. Sometimes she's shooting through trees, through bushes, whatever, just trying to get some extra stuff. And then I'm pretty much doing coverage of, again, wide, tight, moving, whatever. And the nice thing about having Ash on that wide, on that super long lens is that it allows her to stay completely out of the way because um, we have obviously the photographer needs to be there, I need to be there, and sometimes they have a second and we're all kind of fighting for space. So if Ash is trying to shoot with like a 50 or a 35, she'd have to be right in the mix with all of us to have a good shot. So it just makes more sense for her to shoot off to the side like that. We're able to shoot the C100 Mark II, the C200, and the USR all can shoot 60 frames. So we can shoot slow motion on all those cameras so they can match together um which is really nice and yeah that's pretty much just kind of like how we do it throughout the day um again the usr i use you know for the processional the kiss the recessional uh, and then a lot of stuff during the reception so like when they're coming into the reception all the dances party dancing obviously establishing shots like I'm, I'm actually shooting a lot with the eos r which is why i'm really excited to get the r6 when that comes in because um i definitely especially again with the gimbal and the autofocus on the r on the eos r i've been using it a ton like a ton throughout the day i actually use the eos r probably more than i use my main monopod camera all in all throughout the entire day so that's one of the reasons i'm super excited for the um for the r6 so we'll get into a little bit more of the specifics about the c200 so that's pretty much like our cameras then we have the mavic air is our current gimbal i really want the mavic air 2 i can't really justify it because the mavic air is so good um the only thing that sucks about the mavic air is that the wi-fi connectivity is pretty weak it, it can i lose connection pretty much every time i fly it or i get a weak signal warning or whatever so that's not really ideal but you know the shots i get are great they're totally usable it's a great little drone i really enjoy flying it um the mavic air 2 is supposed to be much better so maybe someday we'll upgrade that but for right now with the number of weddings that we're shooting it just doesn't make sense to upgrade it um we actually had to send it away to get fixed because at the end of last wedding season one of the internal fans went out on it and it prevented me from turning the whole thing on because i guess it would fry the computer inside the drone if you um, if that fan is busted. So anyway, I had to send that away to DJI. It was a, ended up being like 120 bucks to get it fixed. It was an $8 part, so that's always, you know, magical. And we got it back the day before the wedding. So cut that a little close because I had from October until July to get it fixed and I waited to the last minute, but we got it back. And then audio-wise, we are running two Tascam DR10Ls. Um, one Tascam DR10L I put on the groom. The other one is kind of just like a backup extra um, and then I also run the AVX wireless kit. I like to carry that around in my bag throughout the wedding day. I have an entire YouTube video about the AVX wireless kit if you're interested in like how we use it or why we use it or what's great about it. I like having it for flexibility because I can put it on, you know, dad for the daddy daughter first look. I can put it on somebody else if someone decides they want to read or say something or do a cheers or a toast or whatever. It's really easy for me to just like put that on them. And then I can manually adjust levels on my camera and all that sort of stuff. I don't have to really worry about it. It's less to sync and post. There's just like a lot of things I like to use about it. I also use it for the officiant during the ceremony. Again, so I can kind of monitor levels and just make sure that I'm able to really hone at least one of the, the levels in. And then um, I'll also use it as like a backup for toasts. Sometimes when you're transitioning at the very beginning of the reception from like the introduction into the first dance into... 
the, you know, the father of the bride welcome, that whole thing can sometimes get a little bit chaotic. And sometimes like the DJ is not really ready or whatever, or we haven't really got a chance to test the audio and whatever. So sometimes what I'll just do is I'll put that little wireless lab just on dad and be like, hey dad, just wear this for a little bit. I'll come grab it from you as you're eating dinner. So that way I always know that I have, I have that as like a backup source of audio because I'm still tapping into the board um, with my Tascam DR40. But yeah, so then the other Tascam DR10L, again, is kind of just an extra. If there's two efficients, if there's a reader, I need to mic up the pole and there's no sound system, whatever. It's just nice to have two. We had one for a long time and there was just a bunch of situations where I was like, man, I really wish I had another lav. So it's, you know, they're only like a hundred bucks or whatever. So yeah, that's, so that's what we use. All in all, like this setup has been great. Again, having all the cinema cameras has been fantastic. We really enjoy that. Only thing that we don't like about our setup, Ash and I both talk about this, is just how heavy everything is. Um, and we've always known that. And it's been a, a sacrifice that I've been willing to make for cinema cameras because I really love the built-in NDs and the battery life and all the things I love about cinema cameras. Obviously, the C200 is actually going the other direction. It's even bigger and even heavier than the C100. So that's a little bit tricky. But because we're doing so few weddings compared to what we used to and all that sort of stuff, it just doesn't make sense for us to try and downsize our gear and you know we have a really good system set up with the stuff that we do have so we could you know we've talked about like what could we remove from this system to make it work and anything that we thought about removing would be a reduction in the quality and the what people have come to expect from our films so we just don't think that would be fair for us to try and leave a camera at home or shoot with less this or less that or whatever um, because I feel like it would affect the way that we're able to shoot and what people come to expect from us. So that's the only like downside to all this stuff. But all in all, it's a really great setup and it's going to be even better when we get the R6 in, um, which we're not going to get the R6 until after our last wedding of the season. So it's kind of like unfortunate. There's a possibility we could book a couple weddings for the fall. We've had some inquiries and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. But the R6 is going to be a great camera for every kind everything that we do not just for weddings so the last thing i just want to say kind of about this whole setup that i really do love is the fact that it is very minimal in the amount of like switching that we have to do and it's very safe and very redundant across the board so in all the cinema cameras they shoot dual slots so it's constantly recording everything that's recorded in all of those cameras is recorded to two memory cards simultaneously so that's great um all the cinema cameras have relatively small file sizes. So at the beginning of the wedding day, you know, I put a, well, in this past wedding, I put a 256 gig and a 128 gig, because those are the only two big memory cards I have, um, put those in the C200, just because, again, I can shoot some, I've been experimenting with shooting some 4K, um, and I don't really know how much space it's going to take up. So I put the really big cards in there. I put a 64 gig, two 64 gig cards in Ashes C100, two 32 gig cards in the C100 Mark One, and one 64 gig card in the EOS R. And I never have to change memory cards throughout the day. I have filled up the 64 gig card on the EOS R before. It just kind of depends on how long the day is and how much we're shooting. Um, that's the only one we've had to switch out a little bit. But the cinema, the batteries for the C100s and the C200 are all really big, so we have to change those maybe one time throughout the day usually like right before the reception uh and that's it so it's just nice again we back in the day like i remember we used to have to switch cards constantly i come home and i'd have like three cards from one camera two cards from another camera all this all this stuff so we get home at the end of the day we have one card per recorder one card per camera and that's it like you just like boom 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 you drop them all in you upload them all and 
it just makes it so there's you're less likely to lose a card have one go corrupt that i really do enjoy about this whole setup again obviously it'd be better if the usr had dual card slots even the r6 which does have dual card slots as far as I know, it doesn't shoot to both at the same time. So that's not gonna really solve that problem. So that's kind of just like a risk that we're having to take with using like the mirrorless cameras. But I guess everybody in the world who shoots with mirrorless cameras has to take that same risk. So we're not alone. Okay, and then final thoughts about just like wedding days in general. It has to do with working with the photographer. And this is kind of a hot, hot button topic. And I have an entire podcast episode I recorded with Audrey Rose. Um, if you go back into the archives of this podcast about, you know, working with photographer and getting her perspective and stuff like that. Um, this is another one of those things I feel like as I'm getting older, and I've been doing this for a long enough time that I've just kind of had some revelations about. Um, so the first wedding we shot was with a girl we had never met before. She was really, really nice. Um, the second wedding of this year was with our friend Allie, who we've known forever and we're good friends with. Um, and it's just, it's obviously really different shooting with people that you know versus people that you don't know. And generally our kind of philosophy is that we let the photographer lead for the majority of the day, especially for things like portraits, you know, bridal party, anything like that that needs to be posed that is really like photography specific. We let the photographer completely lead. And most of the time, nine times out of 10, that's like the best way to do it because photographers have a very specific flow when it comes to posing and posing people is really, really hard. That's one of the main reasons why we stopped doing photography is because I was never very good at posing people, making them feel comfortable. It's really difficult. It's much more difficult than it seems. We just let the photographers lead especially in those areas, I just kind of mentioned to the photographer at the beginning of the day, hey, if we're doing portraits or whatever, we totally want to let you lead. If you're about to change locations or change poses or whatever, if you could just look to us and see if we need anything specific, that would be great. And then if I need something, I'll jump in and I'll say, yeah, we need them to walk or twirl or spin or look at each other or do whatever. And then I'll throw it right back to you. So most of the time that works great. These Both these weddings were great. You know, photographers were great. They knew what they were doing, all that sort of stuff. The only time that this plan backfires is if you're working with a photographer who may be less confident with posing or may be relatively new. We've had a few situations in the past where we didn't realize that the photographer was um, a little bit newer, wasn't as experienced as um, maybe we were. And so we're like, yeah, yeah, you lead throughout the day. You do X, Y, and Z, you do whatever. And then they either didn't really know how to find good light. Um, so they were putting the couples in like weird places or they just, you could tell they felt very uncomfortable like posing and then a couple felt uncomfortable and all these different things. So in those situations, it gets a little tricky because then I'm like, should I step in and help? And cause it's awkward. Cause if they, you put, if they put the couple in like a weird spot where the lighting is bad, I can't be like, Hey couple, the lighting here sucks. Let's go over there where it's better. Or like, I don't obviously don't want to embarrass the photographer, or make them feel bad, but if it's bad light, it's bad light. And I, there's no real way around it. So it's going to make my shots look bad. So it's kind of hard to find that balance of knowing like when to step in and say something and when to not say anything. So I guess my advice would be to research maybe or just like look up the photographer ahead of time and just kind of see if they look new or what their style looks like or the lighting in their photos. Like I think you can tell pretty quickly from somebody's Instagram account or for their website, like if they understand light or not, you know, if it feels like they are a little bit newer, that's totally fine. It just means that you may have to take a little bit more of an active role in the day and you need to know that ahead of time um, and just kind of be ready to step up and step into those situation. We always are checking in with the photographer constantly throughout the day, um, being like, hey, for this scenario, I'm going to be here. Where are you going to be? If I do this, is that going to work for you? 
X, Y, and Z. So like, communication is obviously just like really important. And I always like to be thinking like five steps ahead, which not everyone thinks that way. So sometimes it's good to, to, to be that guy. So, but you just want to make sure that you're being courteous and you're thinking about what they need. And it's not all about you and that you're trying to work together as a team. Okay, now let's move on to talking about some gear, talking a little bit more about the C200. That's pretty much the extent of like our wedding thoughts, my thoughts about weddings up until this point, um, we're, what we're currently doing when it comes to weddings. So, okay, so shooting two weddings with the C200, what were my thoughts? How was it? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it worth the investment? So all in all, I'd say like, yeah, shooting with the C200 is great. Um, I've picked it up really quickly. Obviously the muscle memory is different. You know, I've been shooting with the C100 Mark II for such a long time that I have a lot of muscle memory with that camera. And with any new camera, you're going to be relearning that, even though they're both Canon and they're both cinema and they're a lot of similarities to them. There's obviously like a lot of really nuancing differences. Shooting with the camera, I, at first I was worried it was gonna be too big or too heavy or too whatever. It ended up not really being that big of a deal. It's not that different from an ergonomic standpoint than shooting with the C100s. It's definitely bigger, it's definitely heavier, but because I shoot most of the day on a monopod anyway, that weight isn't really impacting me aside from having to carry it around all day, having to like pick it up and put it down and do whatever. So I just have to be a little bit more aware of like, you know, if I'm going to be walking a long distance where I used to maybe just leave the camera on the monopod, I would take the camera off the monopod and hold it in my hand just to make it a little bit easier to kind of like move around with. But for the most part, shooting with the C200 felt very similar to shooting with the C100. And honestly, the, the image quality coming out of both these cameras is really similar. I think there might be a little bit more dynamic range in the C200, but for the most part, especially when you're shooting at 1080p, the quality between these two is pretty similar. Now, some people can say that that's like, a pro or a con, I guess. I think the C100 has a fantastic image at 1080p. I think they both look amazing at 1080p compared to other cameras at 1080p. But is it like a huge jump in quality going from one to the next? No, but I kind of expected that. Um, that's not why I bought the C200. I bought the C200 because it gives me a lot more options. It just gives me flexibility and it's everything that I love about the C100, obviously, because it's a cinema camera with just a few extra options. And that to me makes it worth it. So let's talk about things that I liked more on the C200 than the C100. So the things that I liked more was um, the audio dials on the back of the C200. First of all, they're on the back and they're on the body, whereas on the C100, they're on the top and they're on the handle. So if you have this C100 on a tripod and it's above your head, or it's like maybe getting a higher angle for something like the ceremony, a lot of times you have to have them up pretty high to be at like a decent looking level or to shoot over people's heads. The audio dials to adjust your audio levels of your mics and whatever are on the top of the handle. So you can't see it because it's you know above your head and they're like really tiny and they're kind of inset into the handle and they're just really hard to manipulate. The audio dials on the back of the C200 are much, they stick out a lot more so you can actually kind of grab it and you can make much finer adjustments. They are on the back of the body so even if the camera is up high, you can still see them and it's just a much better experience um, when you're monitoring those audio levels. The C200 has safety tracks built in, which I didn't even realize until after I bought it. It has two XLRs on here. So I have one is for my shotgun mic and the second is for the wireless lab we talked about. And then you can set uh, channels three and channels four to just be safety tracks for both of your XLRs, which is really, really great because um, there's a lot of times where when the officiant starts talking at the very beginning of the ceremony, I'm still in the back with the gimbal kind of like using either like holding a wide shot or setting it down or I haven't made it back to my camera yet and I try to adjust the levels as much as I can ahead of time but you know sometimes they get up there and 
when they did sound check, they were really quiet. And then they get up there and they're really excited and they start yelling. Um, and the first, you know, 15, 20 seconds of the ceremony are all peaking because I can't get over there fast enough to turn it down. Having that safety track just prevents things like that from being an issue. And it's just, you know, a nice thing to have. You don't have to do anything extra. It's just when you bring the C200 clip onto your timeline in Premiere, it just automatically has four audio tracks. That's really nice. There are extra NDs built into the C200. So actually they both have the same number of NDs. So it goes, you know, two stops, four stops, six stops is what both all the C100 and the C200 all have those NDs. With the C200, what it allows you to do is allows you to stack them. So then you can go up from, you can go to from six to eight to 10, I want to say, which does that make sense if you stack them all together? So that's nice because uh, there are definitely times during really bright ceremonies where I want to shoot at even like 2.8 and I have my ND all the way up and it's just not enough. So then I'm forced to go up to like 3.2 or 4.5 or sometimes even like 5.6 or whatever, depending on how bright it is. So it is nice. Um, and it gives me the option if I want to shoot even more shallow than that, maybe with if it's like a really small ceremony, I want to shoot with an 85 or whatever. I want to shoot with um, a wider aperture. It gives me that option. Um, so that is nice having that extra, those extra couple stops of NDs. I do think the dy dynamic range is better on this camera. It has, you know, S log three, which is a benefit. I don't normally shoot my weddings in log, but there are certain scenarios where I may consider it. I've been playing around with the log and stuff more and I'm starting to feel more comfortable with it. So I feel like there's definitely some situations where shooting a log may be beneficial. Um, and just the fact that I have that option is really nice. Um, and again, that's that's the main reason why I bought the C200 is for the option. So it gives me the option of shooting in 4K. It gives me the option in shooting at 120 frames per second, which you can't do on the C100. Uh, and it gives me the option of shooting in raw. At the second wedding that we shot this year, I did shoot some clips in raw, in 4K, in 1080, kind of all in the same scenario, just because I wanted to be able to compare them later on. So I'm gonna make that into a YouTube video because I don't think that would be a very interesting topic to talk about on a podcast, but I do like having the option. So in terms of 4K, I've always said that 4K is not really necessary. I've never really been super interested in shooting 4K. Um, and people might say like, oh, it's because your cameras don't shoot 4K, that's why you don't care. And that's maybe partially true, but even with the C200, which does shoot 4K, I just can't justify the memory card space that I would need to shoot the entire day in 4K. So what I ended up doing um, was I shot the entire ceremony in 4K, which some people might say like, well, that's dumb. Like that's the one time where you wouldn't need it. But we only have two long lenses. We have a 70 to 200 that Ash uses for her camera on the bride angle during the ceremony because I've always found that to be more important to be tighter. And then I've always put the 100 millimeter macro on my camera on my side for the ceremony and that is fine and it's with the crop it's like a 135 or whatever but sometimes it's just not tight enough so shooting in 4k gives me the ability to shoot with the 100 millimeter macro and then punch in or sometimes on my end what i'm getting as i'm getting the officiant and the groom and like the back of the bride and sometimes you want to just like just have a tight shot of the officiant but if ash is tight on the bride and i'm having to shoot the the officiant and the groom it is nice to be able to like punch into just the officiant punch into just the groom or do whatever so um both weddings i shot the entire ceremony in 4k which you know it's not that much memory like obviously it's way more than 10 1080 but pretty good like it's not humongous you know compared to 
uh, you know, other cameras or, you know, something like a 1DX, the old 1DXs or the 5D Mark IV shooting in 4K, like the MJPEG codec or whatever. It's not nearly as bad as that. So that was nice. Um, you know, having the built-in fans made sure I didn't overheat or anything like that. So it can crank crank out the 4k so that is nice having the option to shoot 4k is nice um i'm again i haven't really dug into those files yet to do a quality test like obviously the 4k should be a little bit sharper it should be a nicer image i'm interested to see if there's really that big of a difference i don't really think there's going to be a huge difference but yeah and then 120 i tried to shoot i tried to shoot it i waited until the reception i kind of forgot honestly that i could shoot 120 until i got to the reception and then the banding on the back wall was so bad because the shutter speed had to be so high that i just was like screw it never mind so i actually didn't really shoot anything in 120 frames per second um and then the last thing about the c200 that was like a big thing a big improvement over the c100 is just the fact that it has autofocus um so again for the the ceremony a lot of times the my angle the groom angle is unmanned for the first you know minute to two minutes of the ceremony um so just the fact that i could set the autofocus point to generally where the groom is going to be means that i have a chance of it being in focus now i don't really rely on that angle the way that we shoot it i don't need that angle but it would be nice sometimes if i could have it and having the autofocus makes that possible for speeches and toasts and stuff like that it is nice to have the face track autofocus it can just follow them around you know, if they're moving in and out or whatever, and we're trying to shoot, um, maybe we, I like to shoot the toasts with an 85 if possible. So having the, um, autofocus being able to face track them. So if they're moving a little bit, it can pick them up, makes Ash's job easier as she's monitoring that. And theoretically in the future, if we ever needed to have like an assistant or somebody who may not be the best at like pulling focus, um, you know, the face track would be able to help them with that. So that is really awesome. Also, like I could, if I needed to take the top handle off, take the side handle off, take everything off. And I could put it on a gimbal. That's something else I need to experiment with. And the autofocus is really great for that. So yeah, so those are all like the really pro, like positive things about the C200 over the C100. Um, obviously it has a lot of pros beyond that. Like again, battery life, dual card slot recording, you know, unlimited record times, all the things that I've, I've always loved about cinema cameras. This gets by default. And then those are the things I like on top of it. Um, there was a couple of things though, um, that were not my favorite compared to what the, the way the C100 does it. On the C100, there is a magnif magnify button um, on the grip. When you push the magnify button, it you know punches into the image so you can get focus. But what the C100 allows you to do is it makes it so whenever you punch in, it instantly changes the image on your screen to black and white, which makes it easier to find focus and it turns on focus peaking. So you can really make sure you nail your focus. Now when you zoom back out, you know you, you click the magnify button again, it goes back to normal and it takes away the black and white, takes away the focus peaking and you're just back to your normal view that to me is like the perfect way to do with that because i don't really want peeking on all the time but i really want peeking on when i'm punching in to get focus with the c200 i can still punch in like everything like that is still the same but it doesn't have there's just no option to do the thing where that turns on the focus peaking it can make it so when you punch in it turns on the black and white but not the focus peaking and then why they took that away i don't really know because again it's like one of my favorite things so i just had to be riding the the peaking button again it doesn't it's a, it's a little teeny thing there is a peaking button on the side of the camera it's right there i just have to turn it on and turn it back off uh, but it's just you know it's just like one little extra step that is just less convenient so that wasn't great the biggest thing this is the biggest thing that i don't like about the c200 and the good thing is that it's fixable is that the screen on the c200 while although it is bigger and it like articulates in cool ways and it has some extra functionality 
it's not as good as the C200 screen. Like the, the, the brightness and the quality of the screen, I really love. And I've obviously, partially because I'm used to it, but mostly it just it's just nicer. Like hands down, you put them side by side, it's just a nicer looking screen. The screen on the C200 looks a lot more like the screen used to be on the C100 Mark One, And it's just like hard to see outside. There's a lot of glare. It's not super bright. The colors aren't super great. It's not very sharp. So it's kind of hard to find focus. It's just like not amazing. I can work with it because again, it has the focus peaking, um, it has the waveform monitor. So I had to do a ton of relying on the waveform monitor, um, which I kind of already shoot like that anyway. But in this case, it was a lot more like I had to just trust the waveform monitor and not trust my eye. Whereas with the C100 Mark II, I can kind of trust my eye. Like I, I partially and from knowing the camera so well, but just cause it's a better screen, I could trust my eye and know that like, okay, this is well exposed, like, okay, this is correct. Whereas there was a few times with C200 where I kind of felt like I was guessing, not because I couldn't see it, but just because like the way that it renders like highlights and shadows and things like that, it looked on the screen like really dark, but I'm looking at my waveform monitor and it looks correct. And it's really not as dark on there as it looked on the screen. So I was kind of just like hoping and not hoping and praying. I was just trusting the waveform monitor, trusting the science, that it's gonna look good. And ultimately I guess correctly 99% of the time. So that's unfortunate. The good thing is it's a relatively easy fix in that I can just get a small HD 502 or 702 monitor to go on top, which are just external monitors that you can buy that are extremely bright. Um, you can actually do built-in like LUTs on there. You can have, you know, RGB parade, you can do LUTs, you can do all sorts of stuff. So. I should probably get one of those anyway. It's just a little bit disappointing as expecting more from the screen. Um, I do like the way that it like swivels and the things, the different positions I can put it in and how I can kind of hold it was nice. I just wish that it was a, just a nicer panel. I don't know why they put such a bad, such a bad panel on there. Um, obviously I talked about the size and the weight. It is definitely a little bit bigger. It's not a huge jump, but it's, you know, it's noticeable enough that it's it's bigger, it's heavier. Picking up the C100 after shooting with this all day, I was like, man, this thing feels like a feather um, when normally the C100 used to feel really heavy. So um, nothing I couldn't handle, but definitely a consideration. And then the last thing again, which is like a really minor thing is that it's a little bit more complicated to break down the C200. Just kind of the way that the grip works when you take the grip off, it has like this extra plastic piece you've got to keep track of and the handle comes apart, but it comes apart in like two different sections. And then currently the way I have it set up is I have the my shotgun mic, my Rode NTG4 Plus on the side with kind of like the built-in shock mount for a shotgun mic on the C200. In, or, in order to get that off, you have to use a screwdriver, which again, isn't a huge deal, but in order to pack the C200 in our Think Tank bag, I would have to take the top handle off, take the screen off, take all the cords that go into the screen, like undo all of those, keep track of them, you know, take the shotgun mic off, unscrew that thing, like physically unscrew the shock amount, take the handle off, keep track of that little plastic piece. It's just a little bit more complicated to, to disassemble and to like throw into the bag than the C100, which is just take the top handle off, take the side handle off and throw it in the bag. So at the end of the day, I'm so glad that we bought the C200 and again, to kind of reiterate, the main reason I bought the C200 was not for weddings. I, I mean, it's nice to have for weddings, but I really bought it for the commercial work that we do, the ability to shoot raw, the flexibility with being able to add 4k the autofocus like all these different things that are going to make a big difference in terms of like the commercial work we do the client work we do all those sorts of stuff and trying to kind of think about the future like if we want to do more high-end commercial work and we want to do you know higher end jobs and things like that being able to offer raw or offer 4k or whatever 
Well, I don't think it makes a difference for weddings and for certain things. You know, certain clients, they just by default want 4K. And if you can't shoot 4K and the guy down the street can, you know, you're not going to win the bid for that job. So being able to shoot 4K, being able to shoot in RAW, those are the reasons why I bought this camera. And again, and all the reasons why I love cinema cameras to begin with, the XLRs, all that stuff. So all in all, I'm, I still think the C200 is the right purchase for us, especially at the price too. Cause then the other thing would be like, oh, you could have got like a C300 Mark III or the C500 Mark II, but that you're talking about like $12,000 or $16,000. And that's a really big jump up from like $6,500, which is still not cheap, but be able to get into like a real raw workflow for $6,500 and be able to offer that to clients and stuff is at a price that I could actually see myself like making the money back I spent on this camera. Um, that makes sense. And the fact that I can use it for weddings, shoot it at the smaller file sizes, shoot it in, um, oh, that's the other thing. I shot it in wide DR to come to try and match my other cameras. And it matches pretty much, you know, as good as you can expect a different camera with a different sensor to match those other cameras. So I shot wide DR. I didn't shoot log or anything like that. And, you know, and it looked great. I knew exactly what to expect. I know how to expose for wide DR. But so all in all, I'm still glad about the C200. It's been a great purchase. I've used it for some other things. I've used it for some courses, um, YouTube videos some stuff like that. And you know, it, it does all the things I wanted to do. Again, it's not that much of a jump up in quality at 1080p from the C100. It's just having that extra little bit of like gap in the top. Like the top end is just higher now with all those extra options that I didn't have before. So that's why I bought it. Um, I love that it's, you know, it worked for weddings. I can totally see myself using it for weddings, being able to now have three cinema cameras as our main cameras for weddings. And then having the EOS R and now the R6, that to me is like a really, really amazing combo. It's like for the way I like to shoot and the way that we like to shoot our weddings, I think it's amazing. So yeah, so those are my thoughts on the C200. And um, just to close, but now that we're like, if you're here at this point, you are dedicated. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sticking around with me. I know I can be long-winded. I just have a lot of thoughts on these things. So the last thing would be, you know, just talking about the R6 and the R5 in relation to the C200. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm going to make a whole YouTube video, I think, about this. But, you know, a lot of people have been like, oh, I do regret buying the C200 now that the R5 is out. And the R5 shoots raw. You know, it's less money and, da -da -da and all this stuff. And my answer to that is no. Like, I don't regret buying the C200 at all even how amazing these other cameras are because the thing that those cameras don't have is the reason why I want the C200s and why I've always been in love with the cinema line is their DSLRs at the end of the day, or they're sorry, they're mirrorless cameras. So they have all the same limitations that every mirrorless camera before them has ever had, um, which is, you know, they don't have built-in NDs. They have small reduced battery life. You know, they have 30 minute record limits on and on and on all the reasons why I've always kind of I've been steering away from DSLRs and those types of cameras for filmmaking especially for weddings over the past five years or however long it's since I've been using the C100s but it actually makes me excited because it actually is the perfect gimbal camera and the perfect comparison to my C200 so now you know again I bought the R6 I didn't buy the R5 because I don't really need raw in my gimbal camera and if I want to shoot raw I'm going to put the C200 on a gimbal and shoot it that way with NDs and all that sort of stuff but the fact that now I can shoot like 4k 60 frames per second on the C200 and shoot 4k 60 frames per second on my gimbal camera that's awesome right like that's all I've ever wanted if I if I go to a client and they say we want this in 4k it's like great I can shoot all the cinema like all the stuff with the C200 
in 4K, 24, 4K, 60, whatever it is I need to do. And then for the few gimbal shots I need to do, any pickup shots or even like a side angle for an interview, I have the option to shoot 4K, 60 with the R6. There's not a world that I live in. I could never see a time where I would want to replace my C200 with an R5. I just couldn't. I just can't. I can't go back. I cannot go back from cinema to mirrorless full time. Now, again, I love my EOS R. I shoot with this thing more than I shoot with my cinema cameras, probably because I use it for shooting stuff around the house. I use it for kind of like stuff on the go. Like I always have this with me. I love the ability to make really awesome films, really awesome videos, have that really high quality anywhere I go. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. And that is like, again, that every camera has a function and that is the function of these cameras. The EOS R is my everyday carry, take it around, film everything, use it on the gimbal. It's perfect for that. And now you add in the 4K60 and all that sort of stuff that you get in the R6. And I'm super happy with that, but I don't regret my C200 purchase at all. It's completely different purpose, completely different reason for having it, completely different workflow, completely different, like set of needs and wants and whatever. And the C200 is still, you know, perfect for me. Now, if they came out with a C200 Mark II that has a nicer screen and, you know, maybe has like a 10-bit codec in there somewhere, like then that I'm going to be a little bit saucy about, like I might be a little salty that I miss out on that. You know, everyone has always said from the very beginning with the C200, they wish that it had a medium codec. It has the 8-bit, which is perfect for like run and gun stuff, for weddings, for quick YouTube videos. It has the raw um, 12 bit, which is amazing, like super high quality, super amazing color. There's nothing in the middle and we've, but we've always known that. And that's just like the unique thing about this camera is that it's, you know, in this place in between the R5 and the C300. And if you want that, if you want the 10 bit, you want that stuff, you're going to have to pay an extra five grand. And, and for me and for what I do, which is mostly weddings and then like corporate stuff, the 10-bit would be nice, but it's not worth five grand. It's just not. If I'm going to shoot something that's really high-end, I'll shoot it in RAW. There's a pretty decent RAW workflow that I've like kind of been working on and figuring out that doesn't take a ton of hard drive space, and you can, you can do it that way. So I'm really happy with the C200. I'm going to have more stuff coming out about it. I'm going to have those comparison clips. I'm going to make a YouTube video about that. Mark, mark my words. I'm going to make a YouTube video about um, shooting this in RAW versus 4K versus 1080, all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, so that's that's kind of like our update, guys, on our life in terms of shooting weddings, how we shoot weddings, a little bit into it. I didn't go super in-depth on everything, but um, just kind of the gear we use, how our wedding seasons have gone so far in C200. So hopefully you enjoy this. If you stick around till now, you must, your brain and my brain are probably, we should be friends because you care about all the things that I care about. So thanks for sticking around. If you have any questions or any thoughts or anything you'd like, talk to me about go over to instagram at tyler harrington send me a message i'd love to chat with you um go check out the youtube channel again bring more content to the youtube channel we're, we're making some change around here guys i promise we've got some big things coming on the horizon i can't really talk about what they are yet but there's gonna be more content coming more videos more podcasts all this stuff it's gonna be great thank you all so much for listening this has been ty from ty's tech line and i'll see you next time